0: Hey there, and welcome to We're Dress Hairdressers Podcast, brought to you by Harper Ellis Hair Co. and founded on the belief that stylists around the world can be passionate about the artistry of hair design and use their talents to build wealth. I'm your host, Tara Harville. I'm super pumped about today's episode. I have Drew Schaefering here today. He is from Brooklyn and he works in all things fashion, editorial, behind the scenes. He's also a L'Oreal professional artist and an international educator. He also has a podcast and he is the owner of the Crooks brand. And so I'm so excited for you guys to hear about him and all the things that he does. It sounds like he is the stylist that we all aspire to be. So, Drew, say hello to everyone.
1: Hello. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. Thank you. I'm (laughs) I'm happy to be here and excited for this. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Of course. Well, I'm excited to get to know you, and I know everyone else is as well. So first of all, just you know, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the hair industry.
1: Yeah, so I grew up an athlete in the Midwest and um, really spent the majority of my life just kind of like focusing on sports. And it wasn't until I got probably towards middle school, high school, that I was getting, we've all had those haircuts where we leave and we're like, this just isn't right, I don't like it. And that happened, I think, a few too many times. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to have a um, a very talented hairdresser as a friend, a family friend of ours. And every like once a year or so, I'd get fortunate enough to go sit in his chair and I would just watch what he would do. And eventually it led to me sitting in my bathroom in front of the mirror, just styling my hair and cutting the excess that I didn't like. And mm-hmm. that evolved into uh, cutting my friend's hair. In high school. Um, I went to a private high school where we all had to have a shorter version of hair and there was requirements. And um, when they found out that I cut my hair, they just started asking me to cut their hair. And then I was cutting teacher's hair and that continued. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was nothing like cutting your French teacher's hair after school for you know <laughs> making sure you don't fill the class. But yeah. Um, <laughs> You know That's that continued good. through college. I went to college and got a uh, a business degree while playing soccer. And I would just cut guys on the soccer team's hair. They'd come over with a six pack, and we'd hang out and kind of have fun. And That's
0: amazing. Who wouldn't yeah, like that?
1: <laughs> it was it was a good time. And you know, to this point, I hadn't cut any f- women's hair. I didn't really know. I didn't know what I was doing. Technically, it was all just based off feel and kind of what I thought and. When I graduated I had the opportunity to either take a job in finance or pursue hair which I you know was a passion of mine and just of my own style and I'm fortunate enough to have a uh, a very supporting family surrounding me and my dad actually encouraged me to not take a, a job and quote unquote grow up and join the 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 working life and I went back Mm -hmm. to hair school. And after day one, I just, I loved it ever since. So it's kind of been a a journey that I hit the ground running from that.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Finance or hair. Hello. You've made the right choice on that. (laughs) Sounds boring.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very different. I, I can't imagine my life if I would have taken that path.
0: That's amazing. And so did you go to school? I know you'd mentioned, you know, you're from St. Louis originally. And did you go to hair school there?
1: I did. Yeah, I went to um, a salon professional academy, which is a Redken affiliate school. And it was it was basically kind of the latest and greatest school in the area at the time. And I had a a great education for some some fundamentals and basics there. And when I graduated, I went to work for the family friend of mine that I mentioned earlier at his shop Uh and um, really didn't know what I was doing. He would have me just kind of basically watch him when I wasn't busy. Uh, I didn't have to do an official like associate's program or assistant, you know, p- period. And he would just feed me blow dries and I would watch him and just kind of evolve. But things changed pretty rapidly for me. I think six months out of school when I was working with him, we were taking a class up here in New York at the Soho Academy for L'Oreal Professional. That's who his salon was affiliated with.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, something, for some reason, the stylist teaching the class and one of the other assistants there came up to me and they said, Hey, have you ever thought about working with a brand? And I I had no idea what that meant. You know, growing up an athlete, I thought it meant I was going to be sponsored and on billboards (laughs) and free stuff sent to me basically. Right. But here I am six months out of school and I submitted an audition tape, flew back up to New York and did an audition in person. And they kind of said, yeah, we, we think you have something. Uh, you're very young and new to the industry, but we see something in you and we'd like to help you grow. I, I was taking all the classes they offered, put in the advanced stuff, the beginner stuff. And then before you know it, I was working at the salon five days a week and traveling two, three weekends a month teaching for L'Oreal Professional.
0: That's amazing. And they, you're still doing that to this day, right? You're still I, educating I, with them.
1: Yes, I am. So I've been an, an artist with L'Oreal Professional for 12 of the 13 years, 12 and a half of the 13 years, I've been a hairdresser.
0: Amazing. Sounds like you've really, you know, found a brand that you've stuck with them for so long. That speaks volumes to me and when I see someone that stays with someone for so long. So sounds like you obviously really love it and you're great at it because they've kept you too.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good relationship. And I think when I joined with them, it's very different than it now than it is now, I think you know the the influencer and social media presence just simply wasn't around and now I think people get these great opportunities with brands as a as an influencer as an you know affiliate of those sorts and mine was just i think deeper rooted in something else, and I fell in love with educating and the value that I can kind of just show up, be myself, share stuff, and everybody wins. And it's been a great relationship so far, and it's continuing to be mutually beneficial, or at least to my knowledge. And uh, it's, it's great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, as an educator myself, I was just telling another one of my educators this morning, and like, you know, being able to step into another stylist's life and, like, show them the way or show them that they can do better or even make more money or, you know, just be a better stylist, to me, that, like, fills my cup. I don't even care if I get paid sometimes. I'm like, this is all I need, you know, to be able to help someone else in this industry because you and I both know how hard it is to, to make it in this world, you know. It's not an easy, it's not an easy life, for sure.
1: No, it's not. No, it's, it's beautiful to be able to give back and, and help Sorry. other people.
0: Absolutely. So I'm so excited to kind of dive into this new um, product line that you created. I want to hear all things about it. I'm also a product creator as well, and know how challenging this world is. So tell me all about this new product line, and you know how you got started and, and why. I want to know the reason why behind it.
1: Yeah. First off, it's cool of you to, to be doing the same journey. It's it's not an easy thing to no. take on. <laughs> not um, at all. I think I started Crux because I, really, I saw an opportunity and wanted to, to build something and grow something that I didn't see out there. I was, I think at the time, teaching, probably I was probably about seven or eight years into my education and hairstyling journey. And I would like everybody tried all of the tools out there. And every class I would teach, people would ask what I was using. And, you know, I would tell them this or that, and it was just kind of like the the item of the flavor of the week. But Mm. I personally didn't have any, like, emotional connection to them. And for me, that's always been so important. I think that a lot of my foundation, both in personal as well as work, is rooted in my athletic upbringing. And I remember, you know, putting on a certain pair of soccer shoes that made me feel like I could run faster and be more like a David Beckham or somebody who I looked up to Mm -hmm. because there was kind of like an intangible power to it. And that was something that for some reason I just didn't see or ever felt or held in my hand in our industry. So as I was kind of letting this idea sit and play with it, I decided to start a company and it was originally just based on tools for professionals for for me to kind of create the highest quality tools i could but to have a, a deeper meaning behind what they stood for and, and why the brand existed and we started with our, our first SKUs were some combs a black and a white comb and some clips and a canvas roll and i wish i could say i had this grandiose plan that I saw the the end of the runway and I was 30,000 feet up but I really I didn't know what exactly would happen and I just kind of started because it was a fun project for me I was very passionate about it and I saw an opening that I could step into. I think that the biggest challenge with it was really kind of developing the brand ethos and what the brand stood for and sticking to that, to this point, you know, the, everything that crux does is black and white and it, it really embraces the emotional spectrum of creatives, but also just human beings. Uh, We all go through really dark and heavy times and we all go through very uplifting and, and brighter times. And I think a lot of, a lot of us are told to and forced to kind of, put that aside and, and not really be aware or connected to that. And it wasn't until I got into the editorial styling world that I realized how powerful, especially the darkness, because I was, I was going through a, a pretty, I don't want to say a dark patch for me personally, but I was very inspired by the beauty behind dark things and darkness. And I really just leaned into that. And uh, it's, it's continued to grow bit by bit. I think if I were to have had all of my ducks lined up in a row from the beginning, you know, the company might be further along, it might have more products, it might have this or that, but the company's really grown at a rate that it could handle. And sometimes when things grow too fast, they take on a life of their own and too much momentum, and then you're trying to keep up with that. And it's at a place right now that is, it's exciting because there's a lot of movement, but it's it's all been it's kind of like the way when a baby is born and it, it starts to crawl. Like I will say, you know, it's it's definitely not one of those things you wake up every morning and they're super stoked about. Uh, there's a lot of days that you just want to throw the towel in because it's uh, you know hard. <laughs> like like you know. I mean yeah. it's it's often a side hustle that needs the attention of a full time hustle. And Absolutely. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about so many of the things that are happening with it and it's a huge just labor of love for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what all products do you guys have, you know, completely now? Are you still, are you with the same three? Are you developing more?
1: So where's that at? Yeah. So we're, we're in the process of developing several things at the moment. We have the initial three SKUs. We've done several kind of like limited edition runs that were, we kind of tested and they did well. I was in a fashion show for a uh, a friend of mine here in New York, who's a a very talented leather designer and craftsman with leather. And he's very inspired by motorcycle gear. And so we created this very big, not, you know, I don't want to say too big, but this bigger luxury tool roll up that had a big chain. And it was very just like hard looking and very sexy and cool. Uh, And we did that for a little while. And then, you know as most small businesses discover and experience all the growing pains the cash flow and the working capital sometimes just isn't there to to really scale it so it became something we just we kept around for a while and then put it to side and most recently in addition to some other smaller projects i recently launched two oils with the company that are having a lot of just great success it was really a personal project of my own i probably 4 years ago was looking for a product that I could use on my body, my skin, my face, and leave in my hair and just let it air dry and have that great texture to it. But it also had a fragrance that I personally would want to wear. You know, we all have our own different preferences with fragrance. It's so personal to so many of us. And I just, I'm not as as big of a fan of a lot of the the more perfumed, powdery different sense that a lot of hair products tend to take on. So, I literally just set up shop in in my apartment, started buying all these different raw ingredients and found the best quality ones that that I had at my disposal and wow. started concocting and mixing and about a year later, I landed on the first oil which is the x oil and just got so many compliments on the way it smelled on my skin and how my hair looked. And I thought, Hey, maybe I'm, I'm onto something here. So yeah. I was making it myself in small batches in, <laughs> in my kitchen,
0: your own chemist. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's,
1: uh, I'm, it's, I guess if people don't call you crazy, you're doing something wrong. But
0: oh, totally. We're all crazy. If we yeah. can do something like this, we're crazy. <laughs>
1: exactly. So it, it went well. A lot a few salons started picking it up, a lot of direct to consumer sales. But I think you know the, the important thing that, and I'm sure you've found this too, is listening to the feedback um, oh, really? not not so much listening to the feedback of the praise, but what are the people saying that don't like it? Um, mm-hmm. and what are you hitting on? And there kind of um, come there came a point where I was faced with the decision of do I change this formula or do I add? another skew because I think one of my big pet peeves with a lot of companies is they find a little success or they get a little spike and then they just keep coming out with stuff and it loses a sense of integrity. It loses a sense of the brand good for business. And a lot of times, but that wasn't my, my first and foremost priority. So I went back to the drawing board and created the counterpart to the X oil, which is more lightweight and viscosity. And it isn't as like heavy smoky smelling it's much more uplifting and a little more citrusy and floral so it kind of it found a way to to fit in with the brand and the whole brand ethos of the the dark and light and the the juxtaposition of the two and and that one's definitely a lot more universal we're now working with wholesale kind of tiers and getting it out into salons and working on a, a whole wholesale retail program for salons to carry that at the moment and it's growing to every day it's great That's amazing.
0: And so that is your, you know, plan of action as far as you want this in stylist hands and then to the consumer.
1: Well, I think, you know, I I think that it's a, it's definitely a multi-channel product and, you know, in business right now, I think if you're not using multiple channels, you're missing out, but I've never gone the way of putting it on Amazon. I've, I've really wanted being a hairstylist. I, I wanted there to be a commitment and a connection to the hairstylists that had the opportunity to use this. So we're, we're limiting it to a small number of accounts per region, and we're staying away from most big, big box stores to allow those salons that want to also take advantage of retail to be able to sell and make some money as well. So I think that that is probably our, our main channel right now. And we've been approached and we're in a few retail accounts that aren't salons, it's a possible ones in the future, but for now, I, I see that as as the main the main driver with it, and then you know the e-commerce and direct to consumer that'll kind of just fall in fall in line.
0: Yeah, totally. That's amazing. I love you know what you stand for. I can see lots of longevity in your business because of the morals behind you know the business and what you've created. Because I just know that that's not easy, and you know it does take time and patience. It's you know you see these other brands, and I feel like sometimes they seem like they just had overnight success and you know, it's tough. It's tough on our end to watch that. And you know, then you're on the back end of things, creating things in your kitchen, you know? Yeah. And so how do you handle, you know, that amount of patience? Cause I know, you know, firsthand it takes a lot of patience and, and trust and faith and all the things. And so how do you, how do you handle that
1: emotionally? Um, well, I think, you know, I'm not so sure I handle it the best on certain days. Um,
0: wine. I say wine. That's mine. Yeah. You know, wine,
1: <laughs> workouts, different, different ways yeah. of getting things, uh, getting, you know, I'm it, but I think for me, the whole thing has been just trusting the process. And I felt that if I was doing the right things for the right reasons and, still had a vision ahead that I, I just, I just had to trust it. And I, you know, I personally also just know each story is unique. And while there certainly are overnight successes that may happen, a lot of those overnight successes have years in the making of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me being a, a hairstylist to clients, uh, working in the fashion world, doing education and then doing this as well, you know, it's, it only can grow as much as you feed and nurture it. And I also knew that, Hey, I don't have a full-time team that's been working on this for, for months or even years. And Mm -hmm. it can certainly, it's, it's disheartening when you see other things blowing up and doing cool things. And you're like, man, I wish that was, was me. But if I look back at what I've been able to put into it and the countless hours that I have, it still doesn't compare, especially with the financial backing. So it's just kind of having a a little bit of perspective on it and just saying, Hey, it'll, it'll get there.
0: Absolutely. I love your, you're very authentic coming because this is the part nobody talks about in this industry. And, you know, I know a lot of hairdressers listen to these podcasts and, you know, I know they listen to a lot because I am a brand developer and all of that. And, you know, people want that as well. A lot of people do, not a lot of people don't, which I see why, but I love your, um, you know, authentic take at it. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard. And, you know, financial backing, all those things that no one wants to mention, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, what is your biggest fear starting a new product line? I mean, you know, and what made you, if you were going to, someone asked you that, that wanted to do the same, you know, what would you tell them?
1: Mm. That's a good question. (laughs) You know, I think it's a fear that most of us carry within us and whether we realize it or not is, I mean, I think the fear of failure of some sorts is, you know, never feels good. And we never really want to admit that we have that fear, but that also can be a big motivator. I think for me, the a, a big fear is also what hindered the company for the first few years is I kept it a little bit too close to, to my heart. I was a little bit too protective of it. Things had to be a very specific way. And while I think that that is great for branding and consistency and having a message and a story, sometimes you got to you got to like try some different things out and mm-hmm. reach out to people for help and different ideas and be more open to different things because you can always say no, but right. you first have to be open to those new new suggestions or opportunities. So I think if for anybody thinking about starting a product line with that is I, I think having a realistic perspective or a balance between that fear of failure and an unrealistic expectation, because I'll be the first one to say, I thought that with my small social following and with my you know connections in the industry that All I would have to do is come out with a product, a tool, whatever it was, and Mm -hmm. it would just fly off the shelves. No marketing, no advertising, no community. And that is just it couldn't be farther from the truth. And unless you have, you know, a great social following and people that it converts to sales, which some of us some people have that, and that's fantastic. But Mm -hmm. you have to be aware and be very clear that a product is a product, but it doesn't come without a business. Otherwise you're just a flash in the pan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I've had to do a lot of growing myself. I've had to, there's some days I wake up and I don't want to do the business administrative side of stuff. But without that, the company has no foundation. And I was listening to a podcast not long ago and I heard a quote from Mike Tyson where he was saying, you know, you're nothing without discipline and when he was asked what the definition of discipline was, he said, it's doing the things you hate, but doing them like you love doing them. I and love that, that. Yeah, that really stuck out with me. So I think that that's a big part of anything when you're going out on your own or starting a new venture or journey is having that discipline to it.
0: Totally. I think that's the definition of success. Also, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I just sorry if my employees listening this, but I had one the other day that, you know, was kind of on the side of complaining about things they don't like to do. And I'm like, listen, you're talking to the CEO of one of, you know, all my businesses, I'm still waking up and doing things I don't like every day. (laughs) Um, But I choose to like, pretend like I love them, you know, but sometimes, you know, you're exactly right. It's waking up and choosing to just you know do the things that you don't love and you know because it is the foundation of growth and so you mentioned you know marketing and and the things you're having to do that you maybe not not as expected but what is your what's your best marketing outlet what's that how's that been working for you and what's
1: what's your go-to there well, I think, you know, so I work, I have a a marketing agency that I work with and two guys who are great. And we, we talk about this a lot. And I think it, it's it's kind of going back to that multi-channel deal. It's about kind of building a little bit of a spider web with our current cl- current customers and fans and community that love the brand. And how do we continue to give back and do something that keeps them engaged so that, they're just even more inspired by the brand and connected to the brand. So we, we did a um, seven days of crux cutting where it was actually when the world was quote unquote paused. I was taking private clients in a studio of mine here in Brooklyn and I would just had my friend video the haircuts and we just built up this database and we just started giving it away for free. And putting it on the website is you can go on cruxbrand.com and just give your email and in your inbox every day for a week, you get one of these haircuts. It's a way of a giving back, um, B, spreading and sharing the approach, the information, the knowledge, but also it's a, it's a different perspective. It's, um, it's not as technically driven as I would say most of my personal education experience has been with haircutting. And Mm -hmm. so it gives something unique that people feel more involved with. And then you always, you know, as a business, you have to find new clients, new customers. And whether you're a salon, a stylist, a company, you have to, whether it's by referral, Facebook advertising, you know, we've had some success through Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that's been a learning process because.
0: (laughs) There's an art to that. There's a,
1: there's a very (laughs) big art to that. and. and what i what i didn't know is you know the more money you spend the more the more impactful it can definitely be so we've mm-hmm. i think between me being in workshops on the road for loyal Professional, um, also spreading the visibility of the brand giving things back keeping connected i was doing a lot of lives on instagram and facebook especially during lockdown and that mm-hmm. really started to to gain and, and get a spike in things cause people were, they were sitting around with nothing else to do. They wanted to watch right. something interesting. And um, so I, I can't say that I know if one thing has been the, you know, better than another, it's just a, um, it's success seems to be a result of consistently doing the right things and it will all start to snowball.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love your answers on that. Again, you're so authentic with this. I love, I love that side of you, but thank you. Are you also behind the chair, juggling clients behind the chair with all of this?
1: I am. So I, um, I currently take clients two days a week at a salon here in Williamsburg called Rob Payton. And Mm -hmm. I've had a, I'm very, very fortunate in the doors that opened for me and uh, the relationships I have, they, are great with working with my, I'll call it BS schedule of having to cancel Mm -hmm. last week. I had a photo shoot for L come up on Friday and had to reschedule clients. And, you know, I'm I'm fortunate that my clientele also comes to me for what I have to offer just with my experiences outside of just behind the chair. And, um, so I I do that two days a week and on say on a given month, I'll do one or two workshops for L'Oreal Professionnel, three or four photo shoots. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you work on creating content, building crocs and doing everything in between from there.
0: Right. I mean, I so much to juggle. I know I can imagine, but like, what's your best tip for time management with all of that? <laughs> <laughs> or do you have one?
1: <laughs> um, you know, and this is something I, I actually did last night because I had a very busy day today leading up to this. And I have a busy day after, and it's easy when we get off work to, just check out and and kind of just I'll deal with tomorrow when it comes and last night i I sat there and I live with my girlfriend and she was going to bed and it was like twelve twelve thirty and I literally wrote down to the hour everything I was going to get done today or have to do and I think you know just for me, I'm not that disciplined in a daily basis, but what it did is it it allows it allowed me to just set my schedule the same way you would set clients Mm -hmm. um so really blocking off time whether it's in your head or on a physical calendar so that you there's accountability to it and that there's you know you also can kind of have the foresight for your your mental bandwidth to know how much more is coming
0: right
1: you know but there's there's days where i'll block stuff off to do work on something and something more pressing comes up and you don't get it done so it let's put it this way. I'm constantly working on my time management skills um, (laughs) and getting better at it, but just finding a certain balance that works for all of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I mean, that's so true. You, once you feel like you find something that works, it's like everything just goes chaotic and you're like, Oh, okay, now let's, you know, make a new list. But yeah, exactly. I do love that because you know, that's, that's what works for me as well. I love to every day before first thing in the morning or the night before I'll make a list for the next day. And it's sometimes even like call my dad is in my, you know, list of to do's because literally I will forget to do that. And that's just a task that I never want to forget to do. And so you know, oh, sometimes beautiful. you have to get that. yeah. You just have to get that detailed sometimes. So I love that. Well, yeah. what's next for you? What's what's on the horizon? I want everyone to know and what's what should they be looking out for?
1: Oh, that's what is next for me. I think you know for for the the hairstylist Drew continuing to to push and challenge just myself and my daily things, whatever I'm doing. Uh, so that can go in a lot of different directions. I have a lot of uh, exciting photo shoots that are getting ready to come out and coming up. But I think you know on the education side, more and more workshops, uh, specifically with crux. I started a workshop a few years back, and it's it's been touch and go for several reasons. But uh, the crux abstract workshop, which is a two day course, and we're looking at doing a, a one day as well, where it's almost like a it's a kind of like a reset for a modern hairstylist getting back to their creativity. Where for the f- First day and a half, we don't touch hair. We work with different artistic mediums and different ways of being creative. And then we get back to hair with a kind of a different lens or a new perspective on everything. So I'm excited to, to bring that back to the second part of this year. We're going to be doing workshops here in Brooklyn. And we're planning to kind of do like a mini tour across the country. Try to do some cities, some some of the larger cities that people can kind of navigate to.
0: I love is this and, something that stylists can buy tickets to? Um, it is. How, how do they do that?
1: Yeah. So if uh, if you're listening and you're interested, just uh, follow Crux Brand on social and kind of keep cruxbrand.com on your radar. Because mm-hmm. what we'll do is, um, if you actually go to cruxbrand.com and sign up for the newsletter, that'll be the, the best way that you'll hear about it. Because we'll also announce it on social media as well. And it's definitely something stylists can, can purchase tickets to. I've even had... Hair stylists take the class and then come back for the next one with their significant when, other or a friend. That's when
0: you know it's good when people. Come yeah,
1: back. <laughs> and they're not even hairdressers. They're just people that they're like my my partner, my friend would love this class. They can do hair at the end of it if they don't, or if, you know, if they don't want to. But I think just it's a, it's just such a different class that have a lot of the learns from my experience in my uh, education career so far. So it's a, uh, it takes a very different approach to it. And I'm really excited about that.
0: I love that. I'm, I'm getting on there to purchase tickets. I'm going to sign up for newsletter today. Yeah. I <laughs> love that. I, love I mean, you. well, you know, it's just hard. Like I've, it's hard for us to find something that helps us create, you know, have that creative channel and and define that because you know, classes these days just aren't that. They're all technical or, you know, they're business or something like that. And so mm-hmm. it's tough to find that. So kudos to you for creating something different and
1: thank you. Um,
0: something that is so needed. So stylists, be sure to be on the lookout for that. And also, if you could just let them know, you know, where to find you, how can they look you up on social media and all your, your brand and all of that?
1: Yeah. So on all the social media platforms, uh, my name again is Drew Schaffering. Uh, S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R-I-N-G. And the the company, the brand is Crux Brand on all the social medias. Uh, also at cruxbrand.com. I also have a, a podcast that I do with a dear friend of mine that we have another exciting project we're working on. But the podcast is called The Strands That Bind Us. And. I love that. We uh, we have something really cool we're working on that we, you know, can't speak too much about, but it'll be a different format, different platforms and uh, a much larger network, hopefully in the next year and a half or so.
0: That's amazing. What's the story behind the podcast as far as like, you know, what's your why on creating that?
1: Yeah, good question. You know, probably, you know, not too unlike yourself. It started with with us having a conversation of what is it that we can do? unique or different in our own way for the industry and it actually wasn't a podcast at first it was this other project that i'm speaking about and it basically is it's about making other people the hero and telling untold stories but in our way it's it's not just with hairdressers because you know hair is this fabric that we all wear on our head and Mm -hmm as we all know from working with clients, everybody has such a unique relationship with their hair. And we started the podcast as kind of a stepping stone and kind of an interim between COVID and when this other project gets started. And instead of basically reaching out to hairdressers only, we we get to speak with a lot of very talented hairdressers. But we've also had a lot of people on the, the podcast that don't, have anything to do with hair. They just maybe lost their hair during a battle with cancer or they're a celebrity and they their hair has played very different parts in their life depending on different roles they had or they're an activist in an indigenous tribe and they've seen how young boys with long braids having to cut their hair when they get to school has impacted them and, and them in a spiritual way because of their culture. So it's really just it kind of runs the the gamut of this commonality that we all share and how culturally it means so many different things to each one of us and just shedding light on that and just hearing stories and, and telling our listener, you know sharing those stories with our listeners yeah. yeah
0: truly education that we need as hairdressers i mean wow that's that's incredible tell them again what the name of that is and where they can find it
1: it is on it's the strands that bind us and it is on uh, spotify and apple podcasts
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, Drew, you're such a cool human. Oh,
1: um, thank you. I'm just,
0: of course. I'm just excited for everyone to hear from you. You're so inspiring. And I know everyone will you know, go straight to follow you because I'm excited about all your upcoming projects. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see everything unfold. So thank you're you again too. for, of course, of course. Thank you again for being on here today. And I'm just honored to have you and, and to share your story with everyone.
1: Uh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm, it's an honor to be here and thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Of course. Thank you all for listening to episode 32 of the We're Just Hairdressers podcast. I'm Tara Harville reminding you that building wealth from behind the chair is attainable.